Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. The peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to First Baptist Church, and we are grateful to be together on this beautiful day to worship God, the one who gives us life, the one who is the source of all life. So may we begin this time by passing the peace with those who are joining us at home. So Harper, if you'll flip them up, and if you'll just say hello to those folks and They can see you also. Actually, maybe they can't see you. I think I forgot to uh, let me do this. Now they can see you. I was gone one Sunday, and I totally forgot how to run everything. I I don't know what I'm doing. So, um, all right, let me see if I can remember what I'm doing here. Oh, okay. All right, thank you. Thank you for bearing with me, fuddling around here for a bit. Um, It is good to be back with you after some time away. It's always good to have a little time to renew and and to connect with your family, and and we're grateful for that time. But we're also grateful to be back here with you, and we are grateful to be celebrating worship together on this 4th of July. I can think of no better way to start this day, this day that we call Independence Day, and together in worship, and to give thanks to God for all the many gifts of which we are recipients. So may we join our hearts and minds now to give thanks in worship. John Spinks will lead us into this time of worship with the ringing of the Trinity. Let us join together with the call to worship. Lift your eyes to God. Reach out your hands to Jesus.
Feel the breath of the Spirit. Let us worship the God who reigns. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to worship you with grateful hearts. 
We are blessed to live in this country, in this beautiful part of your world. Help us be people that will put our faith into action, to love our neighbors, whoever and wherever they are, and to seek out those who are in need of help. Open our minds so that we may understand your teachings. Open our spirits so that we may receive your guidance. Open our hearts so we accept the love and forgiveness you offer each of us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.
Children may come forward for the children's time. If y'all want to come forward, y'all want to do the children's time? I promise I won't embarrass you. Only myself. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Good to see y'all. So I want to talk to you just a minute about the gospel reading that we're having today in worship. And it talks about Jesus when he starts teaching and when he starts healing people. And there are all these people who know him, who watched him grow up, kind of like we're watching you grow up. He was in his hometown. And when Jesus did all these wonderful things, the, the, people, the people first seemed like they were kind of amazed by it. And they were like, wow, where did he learn all this? And they're saying, isn't he a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? They were kind of mesmerized. But then, after a while, things kind of turned. And they decided that, well, they know who this is. They know this is Jesus. Well, he can't, he can't really be doing all this stuff. He can't really be who he says he is. So it's really this sad episode that the hometown in which Jesus grew up, or maybe you could even say the home church in which Jesus grew up, they didn't really embrace him. They didn't really like him. They kind of turned their backs on him. Isn't that really sad? I think, really? Even Jesus knew what it was to have someone turn his back on him? And he did. So I know this isn't your hometown, but this is your home church. And so one of the things that we believe is really important in this church, we believe it's really important that we don't turn our backs on you, that we love you as best we can, that we embrace you and that we help take care of you and that we laugh with you and that we play with you, maybe even Nerf guns sometimes, right? Right? Because we love you. And that's what this church is for. I want you to take a look out here at all these people. They love you. And they're a part of your extended family. And I just want you to know that we will always be here for you. We'll be your friends. And we'll help take care of you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for loving us for taking care of us, for never turning your back on us. Even when things are hard, especially when things are hard, we know that you are with us. Help us to be that kind of church. Help us to be that kind of church to Gabriel and to Perry and to all of our other children, those who are out on the playground right now who are doing children's church there. Watch over all of them. Help us to be reflections of your love. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming up here. You're brave to do that. All right. Have a great rest of the day. Please join me with the responsive reading of Psalm 145. 
I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall follow your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his compassion is over all that he has made. A reading 
from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. The word of the Lord. This song was written by Woody Guthrie after he traveled across this great land of ours, mainly using his thumb. This land is yours. This land. Oh, man. This land is. There we go. Okay. okay. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. This land is your land, this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that 
that in the skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. I roamed and rambled and followed my footsteps O'er the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts While all around me her voice was sounding Saying this land was made for you and me This land is your land, this land is my land From California to the New York Island from the redwood forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. If you guys know the words, let's sing the refrain. This land is your land, this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the redwood forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. This land was made for you and me. Our gospel reading comes from Mark 6, verses 1 through 13. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and cured them, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals, and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Well, if I can't preach after that rousing, this land is your land, I should just go home, right? Jacob was a very late substitute for Jim Hawkins. On, In fact, he didn't know he was going to sing that until about an hour ago. So he, so he, you know, Laura, Jacob, thank you so much for that. And Kay, thank you for covering all of our hymns this morning in, in Jim's absence. Thank you for that. So if you ever happen to be on a pastor search committee, here's one question I would avoid. I, I, I had this question, by the way, not from your pastor search committee, but from another. The very first question they asked me was, are you a fundamentalist or a conservative or a moderate or a liberal? very first question they ask. It was also an unscheduled telephone interview, by the way, that they did. I was, I was young. I was working as a hospital chaplain, uh, a residency at Baptist Hospital, and I was about to finish that up, and I had applied to several churches. And so they call me at work out of the blue. I get paged to my office. Hey, this is the search committee from such and such. Would you have a few minutes to talk to us? which is a bad idea as well, right? That's not usually how that works, that you just give this kind of out of the blue phone call, and then you start it with that question. Well, I was a bit irked, but I also needed a job. And so I, this was kind of my snarky reply. I was like, well, um, are you looking for a fundamentalist or a conservative or a moderate or a liberal? If you'll, if you'll tell me which one you're looking for, then I can answer the question for you, and then I, Anyway, this is what I think I said. This is how I remember it anyway. I said, well, I don't think anyone has ever called me a fundamentalist. But the other three are all fair game depending on who you're asking. Because all of those labels are relative, right? One person's liberal is another person's moderate is another person's conservative. It is all relative. It just depends. But what I clearly said to them that day was, I am not a fundamentalist. I am not a fan of fundamentalism. If you are looking for fundamentalism, for a fundamentalist, don't call me back because I'm not one and I will not be one. And let me clarify to you what I mean by fundamentalism. There are a couple of ways that that word is used. I'm not referring to a fundamentalist as one who carries a particular set of beliefs. I'm referring to fundamentalism more as an attitude, as a posture. It's a very rigid and narrow way of thinking. Fundamentalism is a way of certainty. That's how I'm using the word, just to be clear. So a fundamentalist thinks they possess the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And if you disagree with them, you're not just wrong, you are an enemy, you are a heretic. But here's the thing. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day. Right? Even a clock that is broken and doesn't work is right twice a day. 
which means that some of those people who we think are always wrong, whoever we deem as those who are always wrong, who are always our, our enemy, every once in a while they're right. And there's no room for that in fundamentalism. Because in fundamentalism, you are absolutely convinced that you are right and only you. And there's this long litany of check marks you have to make on every single issue. And when someone disagrees with you on any of those issues, then they're wrong. So there is a fundamentalism that you can find on the far right wing of the church, and there is also a fundamentalism that you can find on the far left wing of the church. And I am no fan of fundamentalism, be it from the right or from the left. Brian Zahan said it this way. He said, fundamentalism is to Christianity as paint by numbers is to art. That fundamentalism is to Christianity as paint by numbers is to art. Now, on this Independence Day, I want to offer what I think is a non-fundamentalist way of thinking about the dual nature of our citizenship. And it's either a good idea to do that on the 4th of July or a bad idea. You can let me know after it's over. We are dual citizens. We have dual citizenship. This is what it means when Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven. You see, he's right about that. He's correct that our primary identity is found in Jesus the Christ. That is our primary identity. Our primary loyalty is to the kingdom of God. Hear that loud Hear that clear, our allegiance is to Jesus. And at the same time, we are, in a very literal way, citizens of the United States of America. So we are, at the same time, citizens of heaven and citizens of this country, the United States. Dual citizenship. And, and there is this one narrative that, that some on the right, far right wing of the church like to, like to frame, and, and they'll sort of say it this way. They'll say that the U.S., the United States, is the new Israel, that we are God's chosen people. Well, this is bad theology. It's incorrect theology. It's wrong on a number of levels, which would actually need a whole sermon to talk about. That's, that's, that's an idolatrous kind of nationalism. There's also this other fundamentalist kind of narrative on the far left wing of the church, and it kind of goes like it, like this. It says that the United States is the worst Babylon to ever exist. It says that we are uniquely evil. Well, the first one is bad theology, and the second one is bad history. And it leads to some kind of strange self-hatred masquerading as virtue. Both of those positions are problematic. But let me frame them a different way. Here, here's a different way you can look at those two positions. 
One says the country can do no wrong, and the other says the country has never done anything right. Again, just not true. Or I could frame it this way, and I think this is probably the best way to frame it if you're going to think about fundamentalism in general. Fundamentalism just can't handle nuance. It can't handle nuance. You see, this great country in which we live, we all know that it is not perfect. We all know this. We know that the way that we treated the indigenous people of this land, we know our history of slavery and racism, to name two significant failings, we know those things are significant flaws and shortcomings. But this does not make us unique because the truth is a great deal of history is people doing bad things. I'm not trying to diminish our failures, but you've got to place them in the right context. A great deal of history is people doing bad things to each other. I like the way that one of our former presidents said it. He said, there is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what's right with America. That there's nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Just look at the First Amendment to the Constitution. The five freedoms, we call it. Think about these ideals. Freedom of religion. Freedom of speech. Freedom of the press. The right to assemble. The right to petition. And then hear the words from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Self-evident. Obvious that all men are created equal. I mean, just hear that. All people created equal. This means everyone. Or as Woody Guthrie sang it, this land was made for you and me. That means all of us. All people created equal. And so we are held together, this, this country of ours, by documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and, and the Gettysburg Address. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And then I think probably nowhere else in the American creed is it expressed more clearly than in the soaring, in the soaring rhetoric of Martin Luther King, Jr. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, 
we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And when this happens, and when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing the words of that old spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. You see, this is the very best of America. These creeds, these ideas that bind us together. It's a shared vision, a shared dream. The, the writer David Brooks put it this way. He said, we also have this unusual assumption that America is not just a plot of land, but a project. We don't just live here, we have gold. And it's true, like these United States of America, that's not just some lines on a map, it's really this idea. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. Out of many, one. And yet it seems like to me, it seems like to me these days there isn't a whole lot of one. I'm grateful that we are not engaged in an armed conflict like we were in the Civil War, but we certainly aren't civil with each other. There are deep, deep divisions that plague us. And they are troublesome, and they are worrisome. And in some way, in some way, the church has to articulate a better narrative than this fundamentalist narrative of the far right or this fundamentalist narrative of the far left. The church has to find a more honest voice, a more true voice, a more loving voice, a more compassionate voice. One of our civic leaders summed it up this way about the struggle and about the divide. He said, if America, if America hasn't broken your heart, then you don't love her enough. Isn't that beautiful and true? That if America hasn't broken your heart, then you don't love her enough. You see, Jesus was teaching in his hometown with the people who knew him, where he grew up. But they just couldn't buy it. 
The text says that they took offense at him. They took offense at him. And then Jesus summarizes the situation this way. He says, prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, among their own kin, and in their own house. Now, Jesus had a hometown, and he had a home, but he was never fully at home there. Never. And an authentic Christian faith will mean the same for us. An authentic Christian faith will, will put us at odds with this fundamentalism of the far right, with this fundamentalism of the far left, it will put us at odds with any kind of fundamentalism. But, but more than that, an authentic Christian faith grounds us in the reality that God is the source of all life, that God is the source of all that there is. And this proper understanding of God and of the world and of our place in the world will help us to love our country in the right way. It will help us love our country in a way that reflects the beauty and the truth of God, in a way that reflects the love of our neighbor, in a way that will offer liberty and justice for all. That's what authentic Christianity can do. That nothing else can do. That everything else is a poor substitute for. So may we not give up on this way of Jesus. Amen.
Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, on this Independence Day, we give you thanks for this land called the United States and for the people who live in this land, these people who are our neighbors, who have come together under this common creed to seek to live out high virtues, to seek to be a place where all people are treated well. For we acknowledge that we are all equal in your sight. Help us to be good stewards of this land. Help us not to take it for granted. Help us to call it to, it, to her best ideals. Forgive us, O oh Lord, when we chase after false idols. Help us to be a Jesus people. Help us to embody your love and your mercy and your grace. Help us to do justice, to love kindness, and help us to walk with humility. Help us to be good re stewards of all of these resources that we have, O oh Lord, not just for us, but for the whole world. Help us to be people who offer healing and hope. And I invite you now to offer the names of those who need that healing and hope this morning. You're here in the sanctuary. You may call those names aloud slowly, and then I'll repeat them so that everyone can hear them at home. Andrew McKegg. Andrew McKegg. Susan McHugh. Susan McHugh. Mike Smith. Alyssa Wooleman. Betty Fincher. Alan Hartso. The Steve Foster family. And now for those of you worshiping Online, if you would unmute yourself, you may also offer names of those who need healing and hope. Carrie McIntyre family. David Bauman. Lord, we entrust all these 
that have been named and those left unnamed and those unknown to us. We entrust them to your care, knowing that you are good and that you are faithful. And now, if we would all join our voices, those here in the sanctuary and those of you at home, if you would unmute yourselves, and we will pray the way Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It has been good to worship with you, whether you are here in person, whether you're here online joining us. We are, we are grateful that we can worship together. A couple of announcements. I, I want to thank everyone who, who showered the Woolamans with diapers and books. And those gifts were delivered this week, and we are still waiting on baby Eli to make an appearance. I know y'all are really ready for that to happen. Uh, we'll have another opportunity coming up very soon to do the same thing to Johnny and Emily Dale, who will be welcoming their baby Payson in, in just another month or so. So we'll have the table set up again next week, and we can begin to shower them with diapers and books. Uh, on the 29th, our children will be having a Kids Create Day where, where they're doing all kinds of art opportunities here at the church, and Jody's looking for a few adults to help her with that day. So if you'd be willing to do that, please let her know. Also, uh, we continue to do children's church from ages 2 through kindergarten outside on the playground every Sunday during worship. And if you would like to help with that, you can also let Jody know. And if you signed up for the youth rafting trip but have not paid, you need to pay before Wednesday. You can drop that off at the Rock House. Or you could do it online as long as you just clearly note that it's for rafting. Thank you all for being here. It's good to be together. Again, I'm really grateful for, for Laura and Jacob this morning. And Jacob, thank you for pinch hitting on such short notice. We may have found a really nice little duo there, I think, right? Y'all can take that on the road, maybe. It has been good to be together. Will you stand for the benediction? I remind those of you here, I'll ask that after the benediction, if you will, exit as quickly as you can, and you can go outside and have all your conversation out there. We try to do that outside as much as we can. So here's the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go... Remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother, children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful